big shout out to this week's episode sponsor, Not Dessert CBD, a black woman owned and created CBD brand that offers full spectrum and high quality CBD gummies and tinctures. The founder of this company actually was the episode five guest, Christina Thompson. So she created the company because she learned how beneficial adding CBD was to managing her own autoimmune disorder and became a passionate hemp advocate and entrepreneur since. Not Desserts products offer a natural and effective solution to many of the side effects that many people with autoimmune disease, chronic illness, or pain endure on a daily basis. Implementing CBD into your daily health routine or lifestyle isn't really difficult at all. Even if you don't have any serious health problems or ailments, CBD can be beneficial for you as well. Not Desserts full-spectrum tincture and CBD gummies contain 500 milligrams or 20 milligrams per serving of CBD made easy to dose and incorporate in your everyday routine enjoy a couple tincture drops or eat a couple of gummies and feel very relaxed learn more and shop on notdesserts.com that's k-n-o-t-t desserts.com and instagram not desserts rated m for mature we want more we want more like we really like it we want more Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Wine, Weed, and Weave. I am your host, Ayana, aka the Marijuana Ayana. And for those that are new here, the whole reason I created this show is to highlight the work and voices of Black and Brown women in the cannabis industry. Disclaimer as always, everyone on the show is over 21. We live in states where we're allowed to consume cannabis, as always. Um, today's guest, she's the president of Can Strategy and co founder of Leaf Sheets with six years of experience in the industry under her belt as a creative cannabis business strategy consultant since 2015, having obtained multiple cannabis business licenses in one of the world's most competitive markets, including Las Vegas and Chicago. She's been able to be a force and an expert on how to create a compliant cannabis business. Leaf Sheets is her tech company designed to decrease the barriers to entry into the cannabis industry and to simplify cannabis entrepreneurship. Today's guest was nice enough to give 15% off your first order on Leaf Sheets with code Wine, Weed, and Weaves, or actually it's just Wine, Weed, Weaves. I'll put it in the description below. And Can Strategy was created for cannabis businesses already established or in the process of getting established and need some direction, organization, or consultation from an expert like her. Please welcome today's guest. Juliana Whitney. Relax. I always say, please, if you're, you know, done for the wet day, have a little bit of wine, have a little bit of weed. I encourage you, one or the other, or both. I've and... got my pink wine glass. Oh yes, I love it. <laughs> and it's going to be about an hour conversation, and we're just going to, you know, just kind of sit here in session chat. Okay, perfect. Sounds good. So my first question I have for every guest, and it's my favorite because everyone has like a really funny story. Yeah. What was your first experience like with cannabis? Do you remember what you had? Do you remember how it made you feel? Do you remember what you smoked out of? 
Yes. So my first experience with cannabis was in high school at the very end of high school because I went to boarding school so you couldn't Mm -hmm. party a lot. Mm -hmm. And we had like a graduation party in at some kid's house in the mountains. And I was way too drunk, like drunk teenager. Mm -hmm. As all of us do at the end. Yeah. (laughs) And then my friend had just a bunch of medical cannabis because we were in California. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it was. I have no idea. You're just uh, like, so oh, for just, weed, I'll take it. Yeah. And I just smoked it and was so cross-faded. And I just fell asleep on the in literally in the middle of the floor. <laughs> so that was my very first experience. Oh, man. Do you remember what you smoked out of? Or like, were you someone who had to like kind of like make do with you that? Or there was like a joint yeah. passed around? It was just a joint nice that's yeah that's funny but I'm glad you're okay because some kids will be like oh man that that turned me off and I didn't like that yeah it it can be scary when you have weed when you're young and you have an experience like that then you learn how not to have it and like what works for you I'm sure you're like okay don't get too crossfaded these days you know yeah oh my gosh I was I never again I don't so when was the (laughs) when was the point where you became a regular consumer that you really fell in love with the plant and decided to fully immerse yourself not only in it as a consumer but as a professional I became somewhat of a regular consumer so I'm definitely not a daily consumer mm-hmm. at all I uh, and got into the industry basically at the same time so it mm-hmm. was 2015 uh, that year I got my first job in cannabis which was at a dispensary And then I got introduced to more products and started understanding the plant more and the products more and the whole thing. So that way I could kind of find what I actually liked Mm -hmm. because before it was just like random stuff. Yeah, whatever someone gave you. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, this is way too unpredictable. I don't want to deal with this. Um, Yeah. So that's really when it's 2015. Got you. So what career path, like industry, were you in before cannabis? And how did you end up pivoting into the cannabis industry if you were doing something before getting into cannabis? Okay, if I defined what I was doing before I was in the cannabis industry, it would most resemble startups. So generally, Mm -hmm. I worked for startups and One was in the medical field, one was in fine foods, one was in media. Like I didn't – back then before podcasts were popping, it was an online radio show. (laughs) So I did that. Yeah, I did public relations. And then I was getting my master's in business. And I had a nonprofit organization called That Adopted Girl. And we were working with girls in foster care. And my parents thought that I was so distracted that they said, you should take a couple of years off of getting your master's. We think you're distracted and you need to be more focused when you're getting your MBA, which meant I had to get a job. And yeah, (laughs) and I did not like that because I've always been really entrepreneurial since a kid and I was dragging my feet. I was so mad. I was like, oh man, yeah, sure. I'm looking for a job, you know? And then... Uh, my family friends, they opened the first dispensary in Vegas. And so they were just, they just said, do you want, you can work here. Or do you want to work here? <laughs> I was like, I'm sure I need a job. Sure. Exactly. So I was on the opening team and that's how I got into the industry. And everyone I worked with, it was their lifelong dream to be able to have this job. And I was just there like, 
whatever <laughs> you know so. you're like cool a job awesome cool. yeah Check. so maybe that didn't go over the best yeah I can <laughs> but... imagine that I remember working at dispenser and being like so thrilled to be a bud tender even though I had like a marketing job before that but I was just so excited and then the people who worked around me were like I don't really love it but like whatever <laughs> like I can yeah. understand <laughs> totally. because I mean it's one of those jobs like if you do need a job especially in in the cannabis industry in Vegas, I'm sure, you know, there's so many stores and shops and just all sorts of businesses there. So if you need a job, cannabis is always around. As we learned during COVID, you know, we are one of the few industries that have been thriving. Totally. So how did you end up kind of applying? So you mentioned, of course, like you weren't very interested, but I'm sure something, something happened, right? We're going to get into this because I know your whole, whole, whole uh, professional history. We're going to get into these questions too. But how did you get to that like moment where you were like, okay, I have, I have like a passion here. And how did you apply what you did before your knowledge before to what you do now? I love startups, which is why I was in startups Mm -hmm. and Once I got into the cannabis industry, I realized that the entire industry was a startup, that the business Mm -hmm. I was in, you know, it was multi-million dollar funded business, but it was still a startup Mm -hmm. industry. Yeah. I I have never heard a more true sentence. Even now, the whole cannabis industry is still a startup. That's, that's very true. It is. Exactly. So I fell in love with it because it was a startup and I realized that all of the really fun stuff, like at least I find it fun. Some people hate it, but Mm -hmm. the kind of the mess of startups and the opportunity to solve problems and to optimize basically everything and kind of innovate and find, you know, cool stuff to do to make the businesses successful all existed industry-wide. So then I combined my MBA with that knowledge and my experience in startups and started to work with larger companies and take on a much bigger role than front desk at the dispensary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. That's such a, I love that statement. I'm going to quote you somewhere in the, in the caption or something. See a bubble pop up because even though the cannabis industry isn't as new, it's one of the the newest industries. And I'm sure, you know, in 2015, early Vegas, it was very new. So when you look at it from that perspective, the whole industry is truly just a giant startup. We don't really know what we're doing, but we're doing our best. Yeah, exactly. We're figuring it out. Yeah. I was like, it does definitely feel like a startup all the time. Like I've never thought about it that way. I've probably worked for, for, two startups in my life and just from my experience with those I can totally see how those two could correlate with the cannabis industry because you're really learning as you go you have to like work together you have to like kind of make do with a bunch of restrictions and not a lot of money but a lot of money it's a weird place to be right (laughs) yeah it's a strange industry um so my next question you've gone through the process of obtaining a cannabis license in las vegas and chicago which is super impressive because that's very hard to do anyone who's been through the process or has tried knows it's like the most stressful thing ever uh can you tell us more about that experience and process and what challenges you had to kind of go through to accomplish attaining those licenses? because i feel like a lot of my listeners as well are in the mm-hmm. position of wanting to attain a license especially in california there's uh this big grant for social equity applicants so right. you know i just want to know what you would tell them and how you kind of got through it okay 
I do just want to say it's actually Vegas, Chicago, and Cincinnati. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I see you. Okay. I'm like, just so you know. I um, really take some notes, you guys, basically. <laughs> She's been doing this. So the way I initially had to learn the whole process, uh, mm-hmm. I kind of reverse engineered it. And realized how to integrate state regulations into the operating procedures that were required at a state level. And then what I would do is I would take winning applications, look at them because some places, uh, some states will post them Mm -hmm. and I would compare them to what I had. And I really just figured out what's the difference. What are the features of what these winners are doing, even these MSOs that I can integrate um, and that seem to win across the board. And so I kept advancing the operating procedures I would write. I kept advancing then the applications we would write and really just kept optimizing that process. Uh, I mean, at this point, (laughs) you really, one of the key things is having a really solid team, you need to know, you know, who's bringing what skills and kind of to make the business survive, especially if you're in a competitive state, you need impressive credentials. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then to have really good operating procedures. And one thing that I see people who are trying to do it on their own struggle with is not really understanding how intense these operating procedures are and kind of throwing something together and thinking that they did what was asked and having no idea the competitors they were up mm-hmm, against. And, mm-hmm. those and they go through those applications with a fine tooth and comb. I'm telling you, like, yeah, if it's not perfect. They, it, exactly. they don't even look at it. Yeah. And then there's the regulations. So some people will kind of write their operating procedures and, you know, they're following whatever rules. But I follow the practice of making sure every single regulation is woven in to the application. Not just woven in, but cited and uh, easy to locate. Because I always figure regulators are reading a ton of applications or, you know, whoever they hire to read them, they're Mm -hmm. reading a ton of applications. And... Wouldn't it be nice if it was just easy to read these things, like that you didn't have to search through the weeds, that people weren't like hiding? You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm, like, just make mm-hmm. it simple. Make it easy for them to see that you gave them everything they asked. Make it easy. And so I always focus on that, making the way I communicate everything we're presenting clear. And I think that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, yeah. And that puts you at an advantage, I'm assuming, in the application process. It does. I, th- I think it does. <laughs> I mean, you got three of them, so I'm guessing it worked. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. I was over here, like, taking mental notes. I'm like, these are great notes. This is, this is awesome because this is information that's so hard to digest. And you mm-hmm. go into that uh, process of getting a license, and it's it's so intimidating. And I honestly think they make it intimidating on purpose. And there's yeah. all these restrictions, especially for people of color. Like, it just makes it even harder. Like, you have to have this kind of background, this type of money. 
no criminal history. Well, in some places they've waived that because of social equity, but yeah. it's just really some places they require it. <laughs> yeah, some places they do require it. They're, they're like, okay, we need at least five people who've been arrested for weed come yeah. for this. But even then, you still have to have. There's been so, how many people arrested for weed? You still have to have a really great application. Yeah. So, this exactly is, like said, you do. it's very impressive that you were able to obtain not only one license in one state it's hard getting two licenses in one state three licenses in three different states yeah um that's actually why we made leaf sheets i don't know if you i was just that. about to ask you that question you were reading my okay, mind great. i was just about to ask you can you tell us a little bit more about leaf sheets and the mission behind that company yes so the issue that we just talked about the barriers to entry that aren't just the financials, but include the lack of information available about how to create operating procedures and how to do these applications. Mm -hmm. That in itself is a barrier to entry. And then you add on to that how much that costs if you pay Can Strategy, like my consulting firm or other consulting firms and all the lawyers and stuff. So uh, my sociology major heart, I was a sociology major undergrad. (laughs) <laughs> I was nice. like, hold on. Yeah, I said, you can't, I can't be a part of the problem. And with Can Strategy, you know, we work with well-funded groups. Mm-hmm. However, I also believe in entrepreneurship. I believe in startups. And a core to that is needing people who are scrappy, who have grit, who are fighting to make cool things happen out of nothing. And that's where you get innovation and the most creative Mm. things. And I thought, how do I help those people get into the industry? How do I help them, you know, figure this out without me having to kind of have a service that's like much lower value, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah. So I thought, well, these things can be sold as products, kind of like LegalZoom sells agreements and stuff like that as products. And that if I could do an educational guide, that most people are relatively intelligent. And if you make it clear enough, here's how you put regulations in, here's how you navigate regulations, and here's how you customize these things for your business, Mm -hmm. that with that level of intelligence, most people, if they're willing to do it, will be able to figure it out given given those guides. So we made leaf sheets. It's really the first step of it is what we have up right now, and I'm proud of it because – my business partner and I built it ourselves and it took a couple of years. It's uh, so clean and smooth. I'm on it now. I've seen it before, but I wanted to pull it up again because I wanted to kind of mention some of the sheets you had to people. Cause I yeah. think these are great. Like you said, you kind of created these little kits for people to easily have what they need. Like you can get yeah. an age verification plan. That's super important, super mm-hmm. important to get to someone who has tried to like create their own business online with just CBD age verification is like, super important security plan diversity and inclusion plan like and these aren't super expensive no not compared to hiring someone to do it yeah compared to other people like i've seen other prices way higher than this like this is actually pretty uh reasonable yeah it's like 10 percent. we like to say it's 10 percent of a mediocre consult Mm-hmm. <laughs> super that was my goal I was like let's not make it 10% of high-end consultants let's make it 10% of like a middle of the ground you know 
Yes. <laughs> so road. you're at least are like offering value and you're offering people information, but you're not just giving something away for free. Like my last episode, like we were talking about, like you can't just give everything away for free. You want to create value and give yeah. into the community what they gave to you, but you also have to like eat and pay your bills. And exactly. you can do that while also like supporting the, the cannabis community. Yes. Yes. I agree. I agree. And this is just the first step. Like we have answers to regulatory questions on there for different states so that it's super easy to access rather than Mm -hmm. having to read through a million things. We've got the states page where we have a link to every single state's regulatory board for cannabis in their state. And then we're just going to keep building on that and keep making both getting into the industry and operating in the industry easier and Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. better. And I see you have a lot of like blog posts and topics here that look really helpful. So I think this is great too. Like even if you're someone that's like, okay, I don't have the budget for this now, I can come back to this later and at least look at this information you have to know what they need to have to get ready. Like you have how many dispensary licenses available in Alaska, is marijuana legal in Missouri, topics about engagement and social responsibility and taxes like this is all great very resourceful information so you guys check out these sheets I'm like scrolling through this like oh my gosh there's so much on here how cool yeah and we're adding cultivation and processing soon too because right now it's just dispensaries but we have our cultivation and production built out so those will be up in the next couple of weeks oh yeah I mean I feel like in California because we now have this big social equity program lots of people are going to be going after these dispensary licenses because now we have I think five black women-owned dispensaries which was even before the social equity program so I'm really hoping fingers crossed that more black women get these licenses and apply for these social equity grants and things absolutely the more you, you know, have these opportunities, the more people can kind of see that barrier to entry. One, it's not necessary. And two, it's not that hard to break. Exactly. Yeah. And we definitely need that diversity in the industry. For sure. We need that. Mm-hmm. More women, more women of color, please. Yeah. We're about yes. to lose it over here. Like, oh, it's trash. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, through your adventures and your career journey, you seem... Well, you just said, like, you're very entrepreneurial. You've, like, been, like, ugh, job, don't want that. But it ended up to you kind of just being an entrepreneur again. And you're very highly motivated to kind of create what you want. Where do you think this work ethic, this motivation came from? Like, did you watch someone growing up? Are you just, like, a fireball full of energy all the time? Who inspired you? What inspired you to kind of keep pushing? Part of it, I think, is genetic. (laughs) I'm like, um, we all have that one parent that's like, work harder. Yeah. My birth dad, his whole side of the family, they're all leaders. They all either are entrepreneurs or they're executives and leaders in whatever it is that they do. Mm -hmm. So I think it's partly that. Partly, I don't know. I've just really been driven to do it since I was a kid. Maybe because just like some people, you know, they're driven to do art. Mm Mm-hmm to paint whatever this is almost like my art that's what I tell people when oh, they don't I love get that. it because it is you get to create something out of nothing in yeah. in your vision you know uh so I think I love that and then kind of watching my birth dad uh probably helped and then my parents are professors so while that is a, a career working for another entity what I saw was they're 
writing books, writing articles, you know, Mm -hmm. getting freedom, traveling, like all this stuff. And I was like, oh, that's definitely a lifestyle, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'm sure seeing how, like, I'm guessing in your house, you know, education was such an important thing. So this is probably why you're like, okay, bachelor's, master's, sociology, but like you didn't go after like something very just not, you know, no offense to the communication majors or minors, but that's a, that's a common thing. Right. But you went after something that was a little bit more challenging, probably because you had parents or professors who were like, oh, I can really learn anything. Yes. I actually also have a communications degree. Oh, nice. <laughs> I mean, so I like I said, not, not to hate on a communications degree because I almost got one. I have a journalism degree, which is not that far off from a communications oh, yeah, degree, yeah. honestly. But it's one of those things that you can kind of stop there, you know, like lots of people will just stop there. And mm-hmm. though formal education is not for everybody, having this knowledge and this knowledge and this knowledge, I'm sure has helped you be able to apply all of that knowledge to what you do now. Massively. And Mm -hmm. it was intentional. (laughs) Like when I did my undergrad, I would tell people, you know, I want to start a business. I want to grow it like a whole network of companies. I've always wanted that. And they would look at me and say, well, then why are you studying communications and sociology? And my response was always, because if I just do business in my undergrad and then I get a business in master's, I have a very singular mindset and skill set. Whereas if you know sociology, you know people, you know how markets work, you know how groups work and how they progress and the stats about, you know, just society. And then with communications, you understand relationships and really psychology and how to even marketing let's say is communication with mass groups of people that's what marketing is so I was like these tools everyone's gonna look at me and be like those have nothing to do with business and I was like they have everything to do with business yeah yeah it's very layered and I think like I said having all of that knowledge under your belt being able to apply to what you do now has made you be able to be so successful in the industry because when people how many like like white guys with business degrees or uh, a, a background in finance are in cannabis and that's all they have. That's all they have yeah. business finance. And that's the only scope that they look at the industry from is business or finance. 100%. Just fine. Yeah. It's very, it's just like, Oh, you think the entire world exists on spreadsheets. That's like a very limited viewpoint yeah. of business yeah. generally. Yeah. You kind of have like, kind of the perfect mixture to work in cannabis like sociology is like understanding people how people feel what they react to the communication is just knowing how to how to communicate a message and a brand and a story then the business knowing how to operate everything and like obviously a lot of us can't afford maybe like formal education I just got got my my BA and I was like I'm good that's enough for me maybe I'll (laughs) go get my my master's one day but you can totally like use you know, like leaf sheets, like even reading a blog post, finding some books, going on YouTube University, like you can teach yourself so much, especially with cannabis, because it's so new. That's true. That's true. And, at and it's valuable. Too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dispensaries are a great place to learn. Smoking the weed, buying the weed, uh, working with the weed, touching the weed, just being around weed, you learn a lot. Yeah, you learn so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so hands-on. As someone who is a business Console and has worked with startup companies. 
I'm sure you see now even more cannabis startups popping up everywhere, like especially after the pandemic, everyone's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start a a delivery company or I'm going to start a this or I'm going to start a that. What advice do you have for cannabis startup founders and what do they need to know before building? Because people think you can just dive in and you're going to win. It doesn't quite work like that over here. I'm sorry, you guys. Yeah. Uh, I would say first and foremost is look at the state regulations. That has, So that's one reason we have the answers to the questions on leaf sheets. And one of the questions is, is there a licensing window open right now in whatever state? You have to look at that because people get so excited, like, oh, I've got this business idea, I'm going to start it, and then literally have no idea what the requirements are. They don't even realize that you can't apply for a license Mm -hmm. or that there's a limited amount of licenses or everything you have to get together before you can apply. Those, like, very first thing, figure out if you're even allowed to apply. Mm -hmm. If you're eligible, like... yeah. Be reasonable here. Like, check your credit score. Make sure that simple stuff is in order. Yeah. And then just if you don't have all the funding, put together a business plan, you know, figure out, okay, we would need to raise funding. What would that look like? How much would that be? Mm -hmm. And come up with a plan for that so you're not stuck. Say you got a license because it, let's say Oklahoma, you know, it costs not much to to get a license (laughs) And but if you don't have the funding to go further than the license, well, then you're mm-hmm. – it's like, have a plan for that. And this is a big one that I've seen in Vegas is people – they're creative, which I love, and they come up with these cool things to do. It's like, oh, we're going to have a, you know, a lounge that's a bus, and we go to the mountain, whatever. And I'm like, uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. (laughs) I'll be like, you're absolutely not allowed to do that. Yeah. I'm like, Like, it's a law so you can do that. Yeah. Probably not. Check that out with the law first. (laughs) So you can, should you know? Exactly. So it's like that kind of thing, which I know is so frustrating because I've had so many people come to me with the, you know, they're so excited about their ideas. And I know it's so frustrating to be told by regulation, like, no, you can't do that. That sucks. Yeah. yeah. It's just the nature of the beast right now. Yeah. You know, it might progress to allowing really cool, fun things like that, but that's not where we're at right now. Yeah. It's like, uh, people probably have some wild ideas, especially in Vegas, of, Let's put a, a a bar and a stripper and a hookah bar with yeah. meat in it and let's exactly. put it on wheels and bike it around the strip. And you're like, the state is like, you actually cannot do that. Exactly. Like, yep, exactly. Yeah, do your research first. So can you tell us a little bit more? You mentioned a little bit earlier, but I wanted to kind of go more in depth about uh, your other company. She has multiple companies, you guys. Can Strategy and how mm-hmm. you assist cannabis startups through that company. All right. So (laughs) with Can Strategy, uh, we work with investors and operators. So if there's a group of investors and, you know, are just startup entrepreneurs that they're funded and they want to get into the industry via 
applying for licenses in competitive states or just applying for licenses generally, mm-hmm. we help them to win. Uh, yep. So <laughs> we do the applications to win when it's a competitive state and really just to have an appropriate uh, application. Let's say if it's like in New York and it's not wildly limited, but we don't work in states like Oklahoma because it's so easy there. It's like, just use leaf sheets. <laughs> like, it's easy, you know. Uh, and then from that point, we help them start up. So there are some companies that already exist. They're in another state. They want to mm-hmm. expand to different states. We'll help them do that. Like, okay, here's your growth strategy oh. and let's get you in, do the groundwork and get you set up in multiple states to expand your business. Or if they're just starting up, we'll just get them all started and to the point of getting their ability to operate at the state level, launch their business. And then from there, if they need us at all, we're there for it. And we're actually moving into, which I wanted to do from the very beginning, six years ago, but no one needed it. They just wanted licensing. So I learned licensing, (laughs) but moving into operations and management more so, uh, and kind of to optimize those things, build brands, expand companies, and just like brainchild strategize and do cool stuff. I'm also now kind of sucked into the can strategy website because there's lots of information here too. Like I love that there's so much information on both of these sites, but they're, they're different. Like they're for a different type of person in the industry, but yeah, if you're a startup, you can come here. If you're in the process of like trying to apply for a license or start your brand, go to leave sheets and then if you need both, use both. But I love this. Women are so great. We're just great. <laughs> Women and weed, we're just great. We're just so smart. And we just do everything. We just think of everything. We just make everything better. What would they do without us? I know. It would be way too simple-minded without <laughs> us, I think. <laughs> so my last, well, my last question, which is my last, last question. How does your business model help social equity applicants and encourage increase social equity in cannabis I know kind of a big passion for you and and your companies is making sure that more people have access to this industry Mm -hmm. it helps the social equity applicants because so frequently they don't have a lot of funding even Mm -hmm. if they have something up front so uh leaf sheets specifically is really helpful for those groups because it says you can keep autonomy over your vision and your plan here's your education to figure out how to do this and to understand what the thing is. And it doesn't cost $150,000, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's, a couple, it's a few hundred versus thousands, you know? Right, exactly. It's like maybe a few thousand, but not a hundred thousand. Yeah. Um, and so that I believe will be helpful. Um, can strategy is, my target in helping build diversity in the industry with CAN strategy has been to find women and minorities with capital and helping them to get into the industry because I believe that having real leaders, like capitalized leaders that can build their companies to large scale, well-funded, like really empowered business, having Mm -hmm. them as leaders is more likely to create diversity rather than creating a system where it's like, hey, you're requiring all these regular traditional companies with white male leaders. You're requiring them to 
figure out what a diversity plan even is. And now you've built this system where it's like, hey, white guy, can you please be a hand up for all these minorities? And then you're like, white mm. savior. So uh, with uh. plan strategy, I'm like, let me get the women and minorities with money and make cool stuff happen. And people forget that there are women and minorities with money. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm like, yes. Let's do that. Yeah. Especially out here, like, it's my favorite thing. I'm sure you've seen Vegas. It's my favorite thing looking over and, like, seeing a really nice car and being like, whose car is that? And then seeing, like, some fine black woman come out. And I'm like, yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's the best. You're like, queen, come on. Because people will be like, I have this great idea. I just don't really know how to organize it. And I think that's why we're seeing more and more kind of, like, those social equity requirements in certain states because – realizing okay like black people have money too we can get we can give them a piece like which we appreciate you should have it before but now yeah seeing people are buying from black dispensaries they're buying from black owned cannabis brands like uh uh, monogram by jay-z it's like i don't even know how much it costs but that's like a big representation of kind of what you're uh building through your businesses and just making sure that we can have the same amount of equity in the in the industry and have things that are also luxury and valuable. Exactly. There Hello. should not be a limitation on that. Hold on, guys. We have a special <laughs> guest. It's my dog, Ginger. Hi, Ginger. <laughs> now, Ginger, what she will do is she will, doesn't matter where I am, I could be recording, I can be on the phone, I could be, um, you know, doing something real important but she will cry and cry if, if she wants me so I have to bring her to the microphone sorry guys but Ginger's, Ginger's a guest on the show at times so nothing <laughs> new here All right. my last question before we wrap it up is also another question that I ask every guest and one of my most valuable questions I think to the audience as well because a lot of the listeners are people who are women of color in the cannabis space or wanting to get into the cannabis space and just don't really know where to start what advice would you have for them like they don't have that much money they don't really have that much information but they have a passion for the plant they have a great idea they want to create wealth if they just have a notebook and an idea like where should they start and google of course oh uh (laughs) i'm like Um, if they full on want to start a business, definitely, you know, Google mm-hmm. <laughs> how to write YouTube a business university. Plan. Also great. Yeah, exactly. And figure out how to write a business plan and then kind of look up funding sources, figure out how to raise the capital to do it because you need that. Even if you are starting a hair salon, like you have to have capital to start a business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so figuring out how to get that. Also, I mean, I would say it's good to get a job in the industry, you know, and kind mm-hmm. of before jumping into it, like understanding from actually working in it perspective, what the industry is, because it can look different from the outside than it actually is on the inside. Absolutely. And, right. And then once you get an understanding of that, then create your like your idea from that with a better understanding yeah I'm always telling people just get your foot in the door like even if it's trimming somewhere working at a dispensary but tending part-time like just put your foot in the door 
And if you fully want to walk through that door, walk through it. If not, if not. Because as you said, I could have a whole second episode. I actually should because I've talked to multiple women about this. About how it looks cool on the outside, right? Like your peers Mm -hmm. are like, oh my gosh, you work in weeds. That's so cool. But on the inside, (laughs) we're stressed the fuck out. Like, it's not fun. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's, that's and everyone's like, "What do you concept. mean? You get all this stuff, and you got to smoke." I've never smoked with famous people, so I don't know why people make that description. You smoke weed all yeah. day? No, I don't smoke weed all day. I work all day. <laughs> yeah, they else. think we're all just high, kicking it constantly. Yeah, from <laughs> like, the outside looking, it's real cool, and it looks very attractive. And I can see why many people are so attracted to it, but it's definitely a lot harder and not as fun. Like I'm constantly contemplating if I want to stay in the industry because I haven't even been in it for 10 years I've been in it for five years and I'm tired I'm exhausted <laughs> yeah five years that's a pretty good amount of time yeah yeah I keep being like I put so much time and work into this toxic relationship I gotta keep going <laughs> right you're like I gotta get somewhere with it well I love that you're doing the podcast that's super helpful and so educational for people Yeah, yeah. I think having these conversations, of course, is motivating listeners to like, be like, I can do it too. Like, that's my goal. Like, when I first started the show, I was just a bartender at a dispensary. I was the only black woman working at my dispensary. This was in Washington, by the way. So I was having all these experiences, you know, that my peers weren't having. And Mm. not really feeling like I can talk to anybody about it. But I knew a bunch of women in the space that like, just through Instagram or whatnot, and yeah. just wanted to kind of share our experiences and share our voices. And now we're here four seasons later. Yeah, you're crushing it. That's awesome. Thanks, girl. I appreciate it. Well, <laughs> now is the time for you to shine. This is the portion of the show that I like to just, you know, give you the spotlight, whatever you oh want to tell the people. Uh, let them know where they can find you online, any new announcements, new events, or like special things coming up. And if you want to, you know, connect them to you in any way you know share it here all right (laughs) no pressure moment of hype uh i would say you know if you're trying to start a company in this industry i fully support that and leaf sheets is a great place to start if you're you know not rolling in the millions and if you are got all the millions Come on over to Can Strategy mm-hmm. <laughs> and we'll get you winning, you know? Um, and with Leaf Sheets, keep keep looking out, connect with us. We've got our Instagram, we've got TikTok that we're building up. Um, visit the website for sure. We'll be building out cultivation and production soon. So we'll have the full vertical of, you know, opportunity and of resources needed. And uh yeah you can find me personally at official juliana whitney and she has awesome pink hair you can't miss her the one with yeah the pink hair. Very okay. spot. a bright pink hair and then linkedin so i love linkedin so me too linkedin is loki like the place to be if you work in cannabis loki yeah I'm like, follow me on LinkedIn. I'm super active there. I love it there. And it's way more fun because there's no censorship. So you can post yeah. weed stuff. You can post your articles, post plant, whatever. And like, 
you when you actually get to connect with people. We connected via LinkedIn. And I love that, yeah. especially because, you know, seeing other professional women in weed, you're like, oh, my gosh, there's more. Oh, my. I mean, exactly. once I saw your pink hair, I was like, oh, my. She's this, like, badass boss. And she has this bright pink hair. She's she's <laughs> awesome. Of course, I want her on the show. Yes. Well, uh, thank you so thank much, you. Juliana, for being on today. I really appreciate it. Thank you guys thank for you. listening. This is, I don't even know what episode this is. I'm, I record so many episodes. Uh, I couldn't even tell you guys, but thank you for listening. Uh, new episodes every Sunday. As always, if you or someone you know are a minority owned or a woman owned cannabis hemp uh, brand of any sort, even if it's like merch or uh, edibles or something, you can reach out to me and I totally want to work with you. One of the things that I do on the show is I do sponsorships and partnerships. And I love the partnerships because then I can put other people on to really great women owned, minority owned brands. There's tons available in California at your local dispensaries. I've kind of been preaching to people lately go, you know, if you live in Vegas, if you live in California, if you live in Chicago, if you live in Washington, if you live in any of the legal states, go into the dispensaries when you go re up today. Go find a black owned or minority owned brand. Go, go pick it up. Don't even look at how much it costs. Just go get it. Just go get it. (laughs) And if they don't have it, if they don't have any minority owned, go to another dispensary and go find another minority owned brand. And if nobody has one, then start to ask some questions. Okay? Start to be like, hey, where are the minority owned weed brands? Because it's so important, as you know, to just continue supporting each other, not only verbally and reaching out to each other, but with our dollars. So put put your weed money into minority owned brands this weekend uh yeah that's all for me you can find me on instagram at the marijuana ayana thanks again talk to you guys later stay high and stay healthy